Candle is lit. Welcome oh. to This Is Not a Rebuild, everybody. It's February 5th. We got the whole gang back tonight. Uh, because it takes four people to talk about no moves, which is how many the Cubs have made since last time we spoke. Oh, really? But None. Hmm. Boy, I'm that's pretty a big sure. surprise. We got yeah. people, we're paying, they're paying people to do something this winter, I'm guessing. I mean, rather other than replacing the floors in the office. Um, but office is looking nice though. I bet it probably yeah, is. done a <laughs> good job. Yeah. It, huh. It's one of those things when suddenly you're not uh, doing any of your other work responsibilities, you, you can get caught up on a lot of housework. So. Yeah. A lot of people don't give Carter enough credit for that. Yeah. Tom, it is exactly one week past that, uh, January 29th date that I guess we bargained you down to. You wanted to put Cody Bellinger signing in February. I wanted to go February 9th and it's looking. It's closer likely. to the 9th, closer to the 9th than, than the 29th. Yeah. Uh, you're going to, Tom's yeah. going to be right. It's four days away. Uh, and the thing is, it, it, Tom's going to be right and wrong at the same time. Cause it's going to be on February 9th. Cody Bellinger is going to sign with the friggin' MHC. The Kansas City Royals, oh, a team that's God. willing to actually spend some big money. Royals are sneaking in there. They got Wit. They signed him yeah. up. You get yeah. your Bellinger. Yeah, suddenly things are looking up in KC. The worm is turning mm. in Barbecue Town. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. You know, it's uh, we still got a couple of weeks till uh, pitchers and catchers. No, actually, pitchers and catchers are pretty soon, isn't it? That's like in a week. It's a week like and a half, yeah. A week and a half, first game, the 23rd. So, yeah, something's got to happen. This this little log jam's got to come undone. Yeah. Bellinger's not a pitcher a or a catcher, is he? Who? <laughs> what? Bellinger's not, not a pitcher or a catcher? Well. So, he's got an extra week or extra four days or whatever it is? Yeah, that's right. That's a good point, Todd. Yeah. Leverage Although the custom days. at this point is everybody's showing up whenever now, right? I mean, there's a video from Arizona today of Michael Bush hitting a home run in batting practice that made the rounds on Cubs Twitter already. So, I don't know. The report dates Brown don't knows. mean what they used to. Yeah. Well, you got to think oh. he's excited uh, and wants to get there early because, I mean, basically he's uh, the uh, the gates have opened for him. As far as getting to the show. Yeah. Yeah, you'd think. And right now, there's no one blocking his path to everyday playing time. So <laughs> he's no, no. Go get it, kid. Yeah, and he would have to pull a full-on uh, Swansby uh, <laughs> last year's, uh, you know, to, to not make the team. He'd have to hit like 047. Oh, that's right. Swansby stunk, didn't he? I forgot about Terrible. that. Yeah. Yeah, like two hits or something. I think it took like it was he got one hit the first week or something, and then there were like <laughs> 33 at bats before his next rip. Just insane. Uh wow. So you know, 
what I think is interesting now is uh, there are a lot of people going, oh, man, yeah, he's not going to sign until the end of the month. I mean, look at what Boris did with Bryce Harper in right. 2019. Yeah. But these same people are also going, yeah, the Cubs just have to wait him out. And then they're going to get him on like a five-year deal for $135 million And Oh, shit. Okay, hey, I'm willing to do that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're forgetting half of the, the bargain here. Yes, Boris waited and waited and waited with Harper. And then he got him $330 million. I don't think yeah. it's, it's not a given that just because it's taking a long time, the deal is eventually going to be a bargain. I don't, I don't think that's how this works. So we'll see. Uh, I think the weirdest thing is just not hearing anything. I mean, we heard originally San Frame and, and us, and now maybe I'm just not enough in the Twitter sphere, but I haven't seen much action at all. I'm slowly getting used to the idea. I feel like we hear less than we used to, which is strange because we used to exist not in a 24-hour news cycle, but in a sort of a daily one, like newspapers and stuff, right? I think we hear a bit less in general than we used to because, A, we expect to hear more often. We check our phones more often than we picked up a newspaper. (laughs) You didn't expect the paper to change from lunchtime to mid-afternoon. But you, if three hours go by and there are no updates on Twitter, you're like, why haven't I heard anything new? The other part is, I think people, there was just a lot more loose talk back in the day. And it didn't mean anything. It didn't go anywhere. But there was just, people were going to talk more. Um, It probably was fluff. And now we just... There are plenty of people who traffic in that, actually. If you want to spend your time that way on baseball Twitter, there are people tracking who Cody Bellinger's wife or fiance is is following on Instagram. She followed a realtor from the greater Chicagoland area, maybe. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. And that that got everyone excited for about 24 hours. And you can you can get your fill of that stuff. It's just when it comes to substantial rumors, I just don't think. The rumors we got used to hearing 30 years ago and more, wherever all that substantial, they were just they were just a way to sort of stay interested and inform conversation. And it hasn't aged well into the era of everything is constantly updated. Yeah, because I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for my next issue of the sporting news to tell me more about this. And it's just I've got nothing. Oh, man. Was yeah. that great getting that sporting news? It's the middle of winter. It's like a Tuesday. You come home from school, and there it is. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Not good old days. Sports Illustrated. No, no, God forbid. Although, I always remember, I was such a baseball geek when I was a kid. I'd get Sports Illustrated, and then I'd flip through it furiously on in a random, you know, week in January. And there'd be nothing about baseball because why would there be? This is a magazine about all sports. And, you know, there's a midseason NBA trend story. And here's a preview of the next week of the NFL playoffs and whatever else was going on. There wouldn't be a story about baseball. And that would just annoy me. And I'd toss the magazine aside without even reading the perfectly good stuff that was in there. Because I was like, give me those those one line rumors. Dang it. Yeah. 
how I, I remember the same thing. I wanted a subscription to the sporting news and mom accidentally got me sports illustrated. And I was like, Oh <laughs> no, the sporting news every week. I don't care if it's, you know, January, they got baseball news for every yeah. team. Yeah. And like I say, sports illustrated, you might go three weeks and not have any baseball news. Yeah. Those sports or sporting news, there'd be those capsules, right? It was the like capsules. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it was three teams to a page, but in these big, long columns. And if nothing else, you could just remind yourself of some things every, every couple of weeks. Yeah. Different world. I think this is pretty much proof that the internet sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure we were casting about for such proof, but yeah. Uh, Look at everything that it's ruined. Sure. Yeah, but it enabled this podcast, Todd. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's a huge yeah. plus for the world. That's <laughs> oh. true. It's a plus for it's us. True. I'm not sure how much value it adds for the rest of the world, but we like it. Yeah. I hope you guys can't hear me noshing. But could. Hey, can what we say eating? happy birthday, Hank Aaron, 90 years old, if he were alive? If he were alive. Uh, happy birthday, Hank. I think yesterday... There was a whole thing. I, the city of San Francisco declared yesterday Willie Mays Day because it was 2 4 24. Uh huh. Which oh, okay. is fun. Yeah. I mean, go for it. We're, I think, based on Willie's health, I'd be a, a little surprised if we get all the way to the next round number for him in terms of age. Uh, so, sure, celebrate him in this one special random day but how long we have to wait for a second i was like wait why are we all talking about ah. willie mays on twitter today i was afraid he'd passed so oh yeah think how long we have to wait for aaron day 4242 it's take forever no was he 42 <laughs> no he was, four, he was 44 he 44 that's even worse yeah or michael worst worst day <laughs> i don't know michael. what it is you know that michael one actually that's it's like different. three seven thirty seven. <laughs> uh four three forty three. Forty three. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, I find that every day is Michael Wirtz Day. If you it's it's like Scrooge learned in a Christmas carol. You have to keep Michael Wirtz Day in your heart throughout mm. the year. That's, mm. that's what I do. Brewer words. There it is. Pretty good slider, terrible control. I just mutter that to myself as I putter around the house all the time. Uh, <laughs> Well, we'll actually, to celebrate that. Yeah. Saves me time analyzing a lot of twins and Cubs relievers. So there you go. And I want to thank Judd and Connor for this content because we're talking about Michael Wirtz and because we have nothing else to talk about, boys. Well, there yeah. is some news. Oh, DJ. The Cubs' chances in the NL Central increased recently. Yeah, now talk to me about that crazy-ass trade. What is going on there? Well, you see there's a property franchise north of Chicago uh, that is? just uses oh, to yeah. pay pitchers and then just trades them. I, that's craziness. I know they couldn't control the guy or whatever, but wow. And Baltimore's like, thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, wow. I think Baltimore, did Baltimore have the best record in the MLB last year? Or was in the, the American or... League. Oh, yeah. in the American League. Yeah. yeah. The 
the Braves had him beat out. But but wait, yeah, is Burns were... going to pitch this year? Yes, it's Woodruff. Yeah, Woodruff. 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 I'm not going to uh, see. It's the Brewers, so you know Cecil Cooper's still playing first, right? <laughs> yeah, I think he's still hanging in there, Todd. Okay. <laughs> now, Tom, another another team that had a ton of wins last year. Did you see what uh, what their their player Mookie Betts came out and said recently? Young Dodgers? No. What did he say? Uh, he said, "When every team plays us now, it's going to be their World Series." Wow. Yeah. Pin that up on the bulletin board. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Yeah, he caught a lot of flack for that, and I want to say a couple of things. One, it's pretty. It's a pretty anodyne comment. A lot of guys say that's just like a really good throwaway line if the question you were asked is, hey, what's it like to be on such a really, really good team? You can either like throw a wrestling championship belt across your shoulder and go, oh, yeah, brother, it's great. Or... <laughs> You can go. Yeah, man. I don't it's it's gonna be tough. We know everyone's gonna give us their best shot. It's gonna be their World Series every time they step on the field with us. I felt like he was defaulting to a pretty simple answer. And by the way, he's right. Like the Dodgers are incredible, and every team is gonna try and give them their best shot because I don't know, it's it's not even just that they're a good team with a great record. Like that's what Atlanta is, right? But I don't feel any awe or like uh, there's not a sense of historicity when you step on the field to face the Atlanta Braves. Ronald Cunha Jr. is going to be a, he's going to go down as one of the greats. I'm sure. But right now he's 25 or whatever. And I just don't think we're going to remember Austin Riley or Matt Olson as all timers, hall of famers, but the Dodgers have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani. And Clayton Kershaw probably will come back. And I don't know. I, I think Mookie's 100% right about that. And if there's any one player in the entire league that I would be fine with saying it, it's Mookie. So I didn't understand why people got on him about that. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter that he's right. It just it just doesn't come across as someone right. very humble. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, he is right. But we also need less, less narcissism in the world and not more okay wait a minute wait a minute wait we a, also wait hate the dodgers so i there is a level you reach there is a level you reach where humility just sounds affected and stupid what is mookie Betts? uh has he won two mvps or has he only earned three and won one doesn't matter he's got two world series rings He's got at least one MVP award. He's a surefire Hall of Famer who also could be the best bowler alive if he put more than 10% of his time in <laughs> Really? Wow. He, he's literally, Tom, he's bowled and won PBA bowling tournaments. I had no idea. Yep. Yeah. Just killing time in the offseason. <laughs> and this he's guy's incredible. The and everything... pro bowlers are sitting there drinking their beer and smoking and getting pissed because this guy comes in and blows them away. It's not like things way, go out and play second he base hosts the most successful <laughs> podcast in baseball sorry guys he's edged us out for better now. than us jeez what well I there's mean, four of us what what are the metrics on that i want to I everything mean, he picks yeah. up he dominates at he's now on a team full of guys who have had the same experience throughout their lives freddie freeman's already got a world series ring shohei otani has an argument for the greatest baseball player ever 
if Mookie Betts was like, ah, man, we got to earn it. I mean, it's great and all that we have so many talented players, but I'm just looking forward to going out and competing against the Giants. It sounds stupid. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It sounds fake. <clears throat> yeah, but he doesn't have to say any of that. That's the thing. He yeah, was he asking a question. It up. was at Dodger Fest. They asked him about the season and what it was going to be like. Uh, no comment. <laughs> I mean, could have just could have just done that. that. Yeah, you know, we're gonna have a target on our back. It's it's gonna be a grind every day. But I love the team that we have. You know, boom. That's, and what now he said I'm is just have... that in different words. But That's now I'm need. gonna have to start referring to them as the MHD. Oh, I like that. Why does it sound dirtier though? I don't know. <laughs> the much hyped Dodgers. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was that big of a deal. I just think. No, I it, know. It didn't need to be said. That's it. It made a bunch of circles and people were like, yeah, well, go win a real World Series. Because the only one that they've won is 2020. And Fair. I even agree with that. I mean, 2020 was a weird season and it doesn't count the same as other stuff. And I mean, it's, it's not Clayton Kershaw who's had a bunch of, massive failures in the postseason and only won that one sort of half accidental world series this is Mookie Betts who won a different world series before he got to the Dodgers and has basically done nothing but be excellent at everything I don't know he's (sighs) anyway I yeah people lament that there are no that there aren't more like big personalities in baseball that you don't have those swaggering dudes who come out and say silly things, you know, make bold proclamations like Charles Barkley did back in the day. And then someone does it and they're like, oh, can you believe this clown? I'm like, he's he might be the best player of his generation. Probably not just because of Shohei Otani, but that's just bad luck. He'd have been the best <laughs> player of the generation before this. And he's talking his talk. I think it's cool. Go. It's interesting you say that because I was just watching, uh, well, don't make fun of me here, but I was watching the NASCAR documentary on Netflix, similar to Formula One, where they just follow guys around and document their stories. <coughs> dork. I know, I know, I know. You got to have when background. They follow them when around, doing, is it? You got to have they... background stuff when you're doing tax returns. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Denny Hamlin is the guy they follow, and he's pretty notorious for uh, not being well liked and they actually talk about how important that is for nascar to have a guy like that um you just you need interactions like that and you need the drama to keep the sport going yeah well that's that that's definitely true it's much clearer in a thing like nascar which is basically just professional wrestling without any athleticism um you know the 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 drama is very important when there's nothing interesting actually happening in your sport. But that's, I, it's weird, man. I, I, I can never figure out what people are hoping to get. And it feels like there's a calibration everyone's aiming for. And Hamlin's a good example. In, in NASCAR, it feels like they get it right all the time. But it also feels like that's because everyone's just agreed to embrace this KFAB thing like professional wrestling has. and just here's our faces and here's our heels and we're all just going to agree that this is someone we're supposed to like and this is someone we're not 
baseball doesn't seem to have those people like like everyone apparently we can't even all agree that we like Mookie Betts I thought we were unanimous on that no I do like him yeah no I, I, I know you again do. I, I'm talking more about Twitter oh I got you clowning just, a perfectly normal statement it just again second time tonight proves that the internet sucks <laughs> possibly well i think a lot of us can agree that if they wear red and white with a cardinal uh they are to be hated that's pretty unanimous plus they've become the yankees yeah no i mean no question about that they're they're spending circles around everyone um they might even not sign Bellinger yet Shut up. Jesus. <laughs> wow. There's one team that you don't really have to worry about taking him away. I think it's probably the Dodgers. I don't think he necessarily okay. wants to go back there after the way it went. But hmm. well. Plus, good if, he news. Goes to, if he goes to Oakland, they can't really they can't really risk Cody in Vegas eventually. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if after all they've gone through the last couple of years, I forget them actually signing a high profile free agent. That's obviously not going to happen. But I just would love to be a fly on the wall for the phone call where they they reach out. They're like, oh, you know, we have a bunch of money sitting around here. We <laughs> sort of forgot about. And they call Scott Boris. And Scott's like, OK, how am I going to sell this? So, <laughs> you know. I hear you saying that you want to give Cody Bellinger $240 million. I get that. Appreciate it. How do you expect me to go to my client and convince him that he should go play in uh, an, a, like a half underwater with sewage stadium this year? <laughs> I would love that. Uh, what originality. <laughs> if Cody Bellinger did that, he'd be not only my favorite player, probably my favorite human. Yeah. Well, talk about it. Put he'd, be a documentary the, he'd be the Chris him Bryant of Oakland. And I hope Liz doesn't listen to this. <laughs> you know, we used to, it would, back in when I was in Seattle, decades ago, and A-Rod was coming up. You know, he's fantastic. And nobody really knew he was kind of an idiot. And so he was just like really good looking and fantastic. And they were, kept talking about what an eligible bachelor he is. And, you know, he might be dating the starlet. And we'd sit around and go, you know, if this guy had any originality, he'd bring a girl and she'd be like 10 years older than him with a couple of kids and maybe a couple <laughs> of really bad habits. And it's like, that would be original. I could respect that instead of the whoever, the Mariah Carey or the Madonna or the whoever, you know? Yeah. Come on, people. You got to liven up the world a little bit. <laughs> well, speaking of the uh, speaking of Cody Bellinger. And the mid '90s Mariners. I was looking uh, okay. at where are we going with this. Hell, <laughs> hell of a segue. Baseball Prospectus in... is coming out with the Dakota projections this week. The projections for the year, and uh, Cody Bellinger's top three comps. They they do these player comparisons. It used to be what the entire sort of players' projection was built on. It'd be like trained on in descending level of of match you know, weighted comparisons to other players in the same age seasons, that kind of thing. Now, it's more of a for fun thing. The projection system is is trained on their actual performance and uh, models that are too complicated for me to understand them, that kind of stuff. 
But Bellinger's top three comps are Ken Griffey Jr., Mickey Mantle. What? Yeah, yeah. And Joe Pepitone. (laughs) Which is well perfect. So that takes age into account, right? Because Mantle was probably I was like mid third, not early thirties, mid thirties when he started to decline pretty seriously. Well, maybe he was older than that. Yeah, Uh, well, you know, yeah, I would say thirty-four ish. He started okay. to go down downhill pretty significantly. Griffey, it was more like 30, which Cody's coming up on, so keep that in mind. And Pepitone, you know, he, he never peaked. We in don't the first know. Place. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> my main thing is, my main takeaway from this is, uh, please, by all means, play like Griffey. Keep putting your hat on backward and having fun with the game and being a graceful center fielder. Age like Mickey. If you wouldn't mind uh, signing a long-term deal in Chicago and opening up what, going to whatever building used to house Joe Pepitone's thing down on Rush Street <laughs> and reopening that as Cody Bellinger's thing. I just think that'd be, oh. that'd be ideal. Yeah, those are the intangibles right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so wait, wait, when do the projections come out, Matt? Is it just for the, the following season or is it for years into the future? They used to do uh, long-term projections. Now it's really just one year for this system. There's a couple that do three-year projections, but no one dares to go much further than that. I shouldn't say that. Uh, the Zips projection system, which Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs does, will project out kind of as far as you'd like, and he'll bust it out for a play. If a player signs a long-term contract, he'll sort of go, this is what the projection system roughly foresees for this player based on, you know, everything they've done and, and similar age players throughout history and how they aged. And so that that's how we can sort of analyze this contract. Does it make sense on the basis of the projections? But no one's publishing a decade's worth of projections just because very quickly it gets radically inaccurate. You know, you, you can't predict baseball that well. So, But yeah, they've, they've got the stuff rolling out for 2024. And actually, we could pivot there. I do have the, the projected NL Central standings for 2024. All right, talk to us. Oh, do we need to do our projections soon? Yeah, we'll do that closer to opening day. Yeah, let's... uh, Last year, that was the last episode we did before opening day. Okay. This year, maybe we'll move it up more into like mid-March, I think. But uh, we don't need to do an on-air production meeting. That can happen later. Especially when we know what... uh, As you said, that's projecting too far ahead. Yeah, exactly. Never try to see too far into the future. For instance, I, I can see at most one topic into our future right now because I didn't draw up an agenda this week like I did last week. Perfect. But the Pakoda system has projections for, well, for the whole league, but here's the standings for the NL Central. 85 wins, the St. Louis Cardinals. 80, the Cubs. 78, the Brewers and the Reds. Jeez. And 73, the Pirates. Pretty tight, actually. 
This is yep. without Cody. Yes. Yes. So this is uh, this is something I've been pointing out on Twitter and elsewhere is uh, if you go to like betting markets, because that's how everyone defines things now that sports gambling is legal everywhere. I hate that. Yeah, me too. But a lot of them have the Cubs as favorites in the division. But that's because they're baking in at least Cody Bellinger still joining this team from here. Maybe, you know, not fully baking it in, but baking in that strong possibility. Right. Whereas this system is saying, based on the rosters that we have right now, it's not it's not assigning 30% of Cody Bellinger to the Cubs and 20% of him to the Angels and anything like that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's actually encouraging, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, five wins to... is still kind of a gap to close. You. You just said the right there that they're basing that on at least uh, Cody Bellinger. Who the hell else is out there? I mean, wh- who, what else would it be? I mean, that's all that's left. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, Chapman, I mean, Chapman's still Chapman, too. Chapman. Yeah. But they're yeah. not going to sign both those guys. Isn't Blake Snell I mean, out there still? Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Jorge Soler, J.D. Oh? Martinez. Um. Uh, but you know the there. the Cubs. This is the Cubs. So, at the most, they're going to sign either Chapman or Bellinger, not both. And then they're going to say, "Yep, we're going to put a uh, uh, 145 pound uh, kid at DH." Yeah, and uh, Bush at third, I guess. Depends on who they sign. Uh, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, um, that's right. Bellinger's first, PCA in center. You got it. There's your 91s right there. I'm okay with that. I'm fine. But I, I just, I, at this point, I don't think they're even considering, and you know, I don't know, but I don't even think they're considering another, a second bat, whoever the first bat is, if that's Bellinger, then great, but that's it. That's they're done. They're not. And they're, I don't think they're bringing any other pitchers either. I think they're done. If, if they sign him, if they don't, then they're probably fired or they should be. Oh, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. So after the Cubs signed Shota Imanaga, and even I think it was after it was right around the time that they signed Hector Neris, uh, a couple of national reporters made mention of the Cubs pondering a really big dive into free agency, really big, or or I don't remember what the. The language was, but that was the idea. And I, and I followed up a little bit on that too. There is a chance, a small chance, but there is a chance of more than one of those for the Cubs. It would, it'd have to be Bellinger kind of on, on a long-term deal, but one that's friendly to what the Cubs have been wanting. That, that maybe five or six year structure as opposed to eight or nine, you know, that's what they've been in a staring contest over all winter. If Jed sort of wins that staring contest and one of the big Boris clients is also feeling a little out in the cold and looking for a short-term sort of pillow contract, they could bring in more than one. Um, They could also sign Bellinger, not make another major free agent signing, 
but do something significant in the trade market. Uh, there are still, I mean, we saw the, the Burns deal. And just a few days before that, the Jorge Polanco trade from Minnesota to Seattle. Those are indicative of a trade market that's just like it sat a long time and waited and waited and it's started moving, but it's not done. Uh, now, the Cubs aren't going to get Willie Adamas if the Brewers trade him. The Cubs aren't going to get Devin Williams if the Brewers trade him. The Cubs aren't going to get Mitch Keller if the Pirates trade him or probably even Dylan Cease if the White Sox trade him. But there's a Wait, chance Mick, still of any of those guys being dealt. Mick there's Kelleher chance... is still playing. Say what? Mick Kelleher is still playing. Maybe somewhere, but I said oh. Mitch Keller. It's true. Oh, yeah. okay. That's different. So what, what, who could we get? No, that, that was a bunch of guys we're not going to get. Yeah, who, who could the Cubs still get in trade? Mick Kelleher, uh, <laughs> Kyle Farnsworth, Lizardo, or Edward Cabrera are starters for the Marlins. Uh, Tanner Scott is a pretty talented lefty reliever for the Marlins. Emmanuel Classe from the Guardians, we've talked about before, like 100 mile an hour cutter dude as a closer. Um, there are a handful of possible guys still out there. It'd be more, you know, supplemental. The idea is to sign Bellinger and then make another move like that that would not be super exciting in a vacuum, but as the third or fourth biggest move in an offseason in which you also re-signed Bellinger for the long term and signed Imanaga and brought in Michael Bush, we'd end up feeling pretty good about the roster and not just the amount of talent on the roster, but finally the way it actually sort of fits. I think there are frameworks of a, of a Marlins deal that could sort of clear up their log jam at DH third base or whatever, and bring in a controllable pitcher that they'd really like maybe even two. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but it, those things are not, off the table yet, even though it's almost mid-February now. Because while the free agent market's been really slow in developing, the trade market's been waiting and waiting and desperately hoping that free agents would sign so that they could make these trades. And it, it is just finally that starting to thaw, even though some of the free agents are still unsigned, just because there's been enough cracks in the ice for, for things to start to get through. So... I don't know. I, I don't think the Cubs offseason is necessarily over even beyond Bellinger. But I don't want to get anyone too excited. I, I don't think there's a second. I don't think it's likely there's a second huge move beyond Bellinger either. It's just there's a decent chance of a decent size secondary move to go with Bellinger and stack on top of the moves they've already made. Now, when you say offseason... Isn't the off season almost over? Does spring training still count? Yeah, we do this a lot. In our heads, it should be like when you come to spring training, yeah, roster is set. Or your roster doesn't have to be set. There can be battles in camp. There can be trades once you sort of see how guys show up and how they're playing and how they're going to fit. But 84 I think Cubs. teams have sort of shifted out of that. They're okay with... 
and especially some agents like Scott Boris are okay with taking that into spring training, especially the first couple of weeks of spring training when very little is really happening anyway. And basically saying, this is still the off season. It's not, not the off season until, I don't know, until you start lining up your rotation for the regular season. Maybe that's the line that you cross. And that probably doesn't happen till the last couple of days of February. So when Tom said February 9, he meant March 9. <laughs> I was getting those months mixed up. <laughs> Try to. I just. It's it's hard to predict at this point when when it's going to break, because it really is Boris waiting to hear a number. And he'll just wait and wait and wait. He waited in 2019 until he heard the number he wanted on Harper. And he waited in 2012 until he heard the number he wanted on Prince Fielder. And that one took a freak injury in the weight room at the Tigers complex. But one way or another, he he wins most of the time. And I, I think he's going to eventually hear his number. I don't think he's going to have to come off of it. So it might be another couple of weeks. But I think it could just as easily be three days from now. All just depends. February 28th was when Harper signed. Yeah. Serious? That's disturbing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Harper and, um, uh, oh, the Padres' third baseman was also late, too, wasn't he? Manny Machado. They were yeah. pretty much the exact same time, if I remember right. Yeah. Maybe a few days apart, but that Yikes. was that was the winter that I think made very clear to everyone that a lockout was going to happen two winters later. This one is not not quite as bad. I would I would say not even nearly as bad. It's just weirder because we can lament that uh, Bellinger that. Snell, I guess, really should be signed by now. These are relatively blockbuster free agents, but they're not as impressive as Harper or uh, Machado were. This time in that offseason, it'd be like if Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto were still unsigned right now. That's the equivalent, right? And it's not, we didn't have that issue. So it's it doesn't feel like there's collusion going on. I think it's just these are kind of strange top end free agents. Snell with his two Cy Youngs, but also a, a strange pitching style and sort of spotty health history. And uh, Bellinger with obviously won an MVP award. We know how great he is when he's fully healthy, but it's only been one year of that since two years that were essentially lost to to injury even though he was on the field those are weird uh, and neither one of them is 25 years old like harper and machado were either so we'll see we'll wait until boris hears his number i i think it doesn't help either that all the non-boris big name clients have gone off now so now it really is just boris he's just standing in the middle of this metaphorical room turning and having staring contests one GM at a time and then moving on to the next one. It's not speeding up the process for sure. I don't know how much it's slowing it down, but. He's the worst. <laughs> what if no one ever signed Bellinger? Like ever. <laughs> well, there would be a lockout. 
it really is. I mean, obviously, obviously, there are plenty of teams who would like to have Cody Bellinger. It is weird because I think, I think most of the baseball world agrees that it's a market of supply and demand. It's a market rate economy. You know, it's how much does this player cost? He costs what someone will pay. And I think Boris is much more like, uh, you know, I mean, he is literally a corporation. Guys don't have Scott Boris as it, as their agent. They have Boris Corp representing them. I think he basically says, uh, here are your stats. Here's what you bring as an off-field presence, as a marketability presence. Here's, you know, the the vitals and the essentials and the projectability of you. Uh, this is the price tag I'm putting on you. And we're going to sit and wait until someone comes and buys you. We're not going to come down. We're not going to haggle. We're not going to... Obviously, you negotiate a certain amount once you engage with someone, but it's like... He's he almost operates like a, not like a used car dealer, but like a high end, you know, uh, Mitsubishi. I almost said Mitsubishi. That would be a terrible damn example. Someone give me a luxury car company, Porsche dealer. It's Lexus. like you walk into the dealership, and you might knock off a few dollars by haggling and expressing a real interest, but a willingness to walk away, all of that. But you are not getting that Porsche. For $40,000, it costs what it costs. Uh, and then your your very good salesman, Mr. Scott, is going to try to sell you up to the $120,000, you know? I think that's, that's more how he treats his clients. And executives do not handle it well, especially the more that executives... The game is run by people who came through management schools where they feel like they should be able to dictate in a in a fluid pricing system they should be able to to set it at their end too and Boris just sort of denies them that right it throws them off and it's why he's amazing at his job but yeah it slows things down well, it almost feels like Jed's waiting for like an 11 percent rebate but I don't know if he realizes that Boris doesn't run like Menards <laughs> I think well it's not like Scott has never lost one of these. He very rarely loses. He wins at a crazy rate, but he does lose sometimes. And I think Jed thinks he can win this one. Um, and is he asking too much? It's a good question. I, mean, I, I like Cody, but he did have some crappy years. Um, and he came back from it. You know, So yeah. that's that's all good, but... Uh, one year does not a career make. This is where better rumors would be nice. I would like to know in a, yeah. I, I'd like to have a much firmer idea of what Boris is asking, right? Because uh, if it's 250 million, then yeah, he's being irrational and he's not going to get that. If it's 200 million, which I think is basically it, I think he set an absolute floor at about 180 and he isn't going to really get, you know, 180 is what he might come down to once he starts talking with someone, but he wants to hear the number 200 somewhere in the conversation, even if he has to be the one to say it. I don't think that's crazy. 
I'm not sure. I, I think Jed Hoyer thinks it's crazy. And I think that's why they're still apart. But I don't think it's crazy. I did a, I didn't do anything. I read a Bill James study from two years ago. Bill James's uh, longtime website, Bill James Online, is still online, but no longer being updated regularly. He basically shut it down and just left everything up as archives a few months ago. And I went back because I was just going through some old Bill James stuff. Uh, and two years ago, he did a study on Matt Olson, who had drastically reduced his strikeout rate from his career up to that point to his 2021 season, like took 12 points of strikeout rate off of his uh, percentage that year. And he basically said, when people have this extreme of decrease in strikeout rate, do they tend to hold it the rest of their career? or at least some portion of it. And he found 126 guys who had had a similar drop in strikeout rate. And 116 of them held on to at least a, a chunk of that decrease. That surprises me. I didn't think you were going to say that. That's crazy. That's that James exclaims that about it at the front of his article. He's like, you don't find studies like this where 90% of the results go in one direction. But that's what happened here. Hmm. So Cody Bellinger, we know, did that this past year, right? I think going forward, you can expect Cody Bellinger to be not just a, a league average or better contact hitter, but pretty darn good at avoiding strikeouts. And now he might need to recalibrate a little bit. He might need to actually get more aggressive earlier in counts and stuff like that. But I think that was a real and important change. And people are probably making too much out of his exit velocities and stuff. And he's a pretty darn good athlete. The injuries would worry me, but I think $200 million is a reasonable, not necessarily right for everyone, but a reasonable amount to ask for him. And I disagree with the people who think that Boris is being irrational by by trying to get that number. If if Bellinger signs for anything south of 180, whether it's with the Cubs or elsewhere, I'm going to say that was a heck of a bargain. Um, I don't think a lot of executives view it that way. I don't think they necessarily, whether they've read that study by Bill James or not, I don't think they necessarily trust the contact rate thing. I think they like to be able to lean on exit velocity numbers when they're projecting players. Now that we have that data, they like to use it. So that's where the stalemate's coming from. But no, I, I don't think he's being unreasonable. Now, what that also means, though, is if Patrick Wisdom cuts down the strikeout rate this year, then Todd is going to have to come around to Ian Cashel because he's going to be here for a while. Yeah, buddy. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, but hang on now. I want, first of all, it's obviously not going to happen. That is obviously not going to happen. Well, I thought but he I went to drive line to and take, became, uh, became Pete Rose. Just take a moment and imagine a version of Patrick Wisdom who only strikes out like 20% of the time. It's, I don't know it's, what it is, but it is scary. That man was 45 home runs. So, yeah, it's yeah, great. Let's do it. 
I'm all for it. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll call him up. I'll go find him, go face to face, and apologize. Well, you and should. I, 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 I'll sign over my house, and I can say all that because I know it's not going to happen. Well, he's been at driveline in his underwear all winter, right? So there you go. Yep. Just head out there and um, do it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not doing it when he's in his underwear. There's only so far I'll go. <laughs> seems to be how he conducts business he's he's it in his underwear in the videos on twitter so is it like just a bunch of men in their underwear that's kind of weird maybe that's why boris won't talk to jed every time he calls on video it's like jed's just sitting there in his underwear it's always assessment day you got to keep assessment day in your heart throughout the year (laughs) Uh, yeah i i don't know why driveline does this i mean i assume that they need that they need like the markers that they put on their on certain joints and stuff to to track their movements and everything the way they want to the way their cameras and computers do but it is wild how many of these players some of whom are in absolutely phenomenal shape and some of them kind of have dad bods and they're just like assessment day and then it's a 30 second clip of this dude in his underwear swinging a bat and running up and down an indoor batting cage and i'm like i i don't need as much of this content as you're giving us but it's because they've got a sideline website that they sell uh shots of these guys in their underwear and women go crazy for it yeah and again proving that the internet sucks I think we've proved it now. I know. Right. Those that you've you built a, a three-legged argument, a tripod, nature's <laughs> strongest shape. Uh, One more, and it'll be another Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> we have to. We've gotten the the trees thing done, so now we have to start work on the next Mount Rushmore. You know. And, okay. So I did something. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No. Sorry, no. Sorry. No. Keep go going. ahead. So I, I screwed up again last week. I mean, every, you know, I've, I've, you know, everybody's, you guys were very nice and said it was, it was great, but I, I misspoke again and I, I'm starting to worry about my mental capacities. Um, I mentioned that the, that uh, the white Oak was the state tree of Wisconsin. It is not. And I know it, I knew it. The state tree of Wisconsin is a sugar maple. Um, I don't know why I said it. Um, I uh, glad I, that I can fix that now. Uh, when I you know do a shout out uh, to the uh, sugar maple and, and apologize, uh, and shame on everyone for not uh, you know correcting me on that. Uh, ben Hudson, Steve Field, people like that who should be you know tracking this stuff. Well, we do. I we deeply you. regret the error. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't accidentally say that the state tree of Wisconsin is John Birch because (laughs) (laughs) brother John Birch there, there is that unfortunate connection, but we don't like to talk about it anymore. I drive past the John Birch society occasionally. It's a little disquieting. Yeah. Appleton produced John Birch and Houdini. Is that right? Yeah. Among others. Joe McCarthy too. You know what oh, I need? Right. Yeah. Uh, 
so Houdini was born in Budapest. True. But I don't know like at what age he came over to Appleton or or why they settled in Appleton of all places. It's not like we're just overrun with Hungarians there. Right. Um, DJ, actually, I, I should remember. check because I didn't get it. I didn't get out and around the town as much as I probably should have. Did you ever feel overrun by Hungarians in Appleton? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not even one time. Okay. Well, there you well, go. There's Al Horobosky, so, but other than that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> too bad. We didn't spend a lot of time on the wilds of the south side. Maybe the Hungarians really roving in packs down there. But uh, actually, Joe Poznanski has a book about Houdini. I should read that. And then I would know how he landed in Appleton, Wisconsin, of all places. But as it is, I don't. If you would have paid attention during the the field trip that you went to at the Houdini Museum. (laughs) But, you know kids yeah i mean i probably i probably could have learned that information they i went on more than one field trip to the houdini center i just uh i really wanted to learn how to get shot in the stomach and survive it but i guess houdini (laughs) wanted to learn that too so yeah he didn't pull that one off (laughs) your memories escape you punched it was punched not shot punched that's right that's okay can i just say yeah, you got shot. You said shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did, because I wanted to be shot. And this is this is <laughs> something I've thought about before. When you do stop and think, here is, you know, I, I won't say necessarily the greatest music musician, magician of all time, but certainly one of the most famous. Oh, damn. Yeah. And he died when a trick went wrong, and the trick was not trying to stop a bullet in mid-flight or escape. Uh, or spend 15 minutes underwater like whatever terrible uh, magician there is who does that stuff now. It was, here, punch me as hard as you can in the stomach, buddy. (laughs) And then the guy did, and then he died. Wow. Yeah. What? See, and there's no museum for Rocky Blyer, uh, who's also from Appleton, and uh, got you know, his foot blown up and still went on to an amazing NFL career. Yeah. I mean, you know, he didn't museums. die. Museums a pretty high standard. You don't. Yeah. I'm sure that there's like a historical marker at Rocky Blyer's childhood home or something, but museum uh, is a lot. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was, he, he lived over a bar or next to a bar. You know, his there parents on the bar. Anywho. What uh what would you put in a Rocky Blyer museum? Um well there you go. I think yeah. we just hit on the, the issue that they ran into when they went to open the Rocky Blyer Museum. Well, I think Rocky is a pretty decent guy, but you know, that that's doesn't, that doesn't Yeah, but you can't just you put Rocky in the Rocky Blyer Museum. That's imprisonment. Mm. <laughs> is he still with us? I don't even know. Ain't right. And I need to go back to, uh, again and say, Judd, Connor, this is what we're talking about because you guys are not doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not our and fault. I wouldn't even mind. It's just I spent some of this week thinking, well, I spent a lot of this week writing about the moves that the other two teams I covered did make. And I spent some of the weekend thinking the Cubs would make a move too. 
and we get to talk about that. Yeah, and so I didn't great. do all the research that I, I clearly should have done about how Houdini got here from Budapest and why exactly he died from being punched in the stomach, which it's just a really bad way for a magician to die. Yeah. All right. Uh, DJ, do you have a tax tip for us or is it basically just just, you know, do your taxes? It's February after all. I don't really yet. I've been working on business returns. Uh, individuals just kind of opened within the last week. So kind of wanted to give another week to see what clients are dropping off. And that usually leads to the content I have. So, hey, you know, here's a reminder to not do this or here's a reminder to look out for this. Right now, we're not really into individual tax returns quite yet. So give me one more week. All right. And then he's we'll going to say it. stuff like, John and Susan Davis of Rochester, Minnesota <laughs> have, anyway, we won't, yeah. we won't go into their tax returns. Yeah. You better I hope he doesn't next have week clients we'll just named start... John and Susan Davis. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be bad, wouldn't it? Cool. Next week, we'll just start giving out personal information. Colin, <laughs> <laughs> normally, we just, you know, we, we don't ask anything specific of you, but I'm wondering, have you gotten out to see the number one ranked in the state Homewood Flossmore High School boys basketball team. Now, this is really bad. I live in Homewood and I was unaware that they were even even good. So, until just now? Until just this moment. Oh, Tom. Man. Isn't that terrible? I gotta go out and see a prep game like soon. Yeah. I mean, that's the limit of what I know too. Although I think there's I don't know. There's some notable player. Maybe it's like one of the top few recruits in the nation or something is leading that effort. But yeah, the best high school team in the state <clears throat> is your boys. So. Wow. I'm there. Is, one of their, is their best player named like John Aurelio? <laughs> <laughs> he has a couple of things going for him. Yeah, he's great at basketball. And then he's got the old uh, pizza franchise. So right. yeah. Look it up for young John. He, uh, I, I think Aurelio is a first name though, Deej. Like Aurelio oh, Rodriguez. Well. Yeah. Ah. Well, that's my bad then. Yeah. It's okay. Aurelio, uh, Pat Hughes likes to note, is the only name he can think of that has all five vowels. All five vowels. Yeah, yeah. I think it is the only one. Anyway, uh, Tom, do you have any saber trivia or other? Well, you know, when you talk about uh, his, the historical MVP, Cy Young voting, it, it gets it's it's so absurd. It's almost like shooting fish in a barrel <laughs> because it's it's bad and not only bad, but just bizarre. But you got to go back. We got to go back just for a minute to the 1942 American League uh, AL. Yeah, I guess, I guess I already said American League, the MVP voting. Mm -hmm. Ted Williams probably should have won five or six MVPs. I think he won two. And this particular year is 42. So um, there's a lot of the competition was gone already. In fact, Matt, I would, I would venture to say that several people in the top 10 you've never heard of, like Tiny Bonham fish, finished fifth and Stan Spence finished ninth. And there's always Tex Hewson finished seventh. Oh man! Tex but anyway, Houston, Joe, though. I know. Joe, <laughs> Joe Gordon won, 
in spite of the fact that Ted Williams won the triple crown mm-hmm. and led the league in walks. So, <laughs> wow. you know, by modern metrics, you know, his war was like three, you know, three full points higher than Joe Gordon's and his ops was like 1150 and Joe Gordon's wasn't. But I think yeah. the really funny thing about this is, okay, so he led in everything, runs, home runs, RBI, walk, bad and average, everything. The two categories that Joe Gordon led in were strikeouts and grounded into double play. <laughs> now, he did have a good season, but I just think that that's, yeah. that's uh. amusing, especially back in the day when those things really counted. Like, you know, if you struck out 100 times or led the league, that was bad. You know, you right. better hope you don't get your salary cut. Um, so that's how much um, the writers, how much antipathy they had for Ted Williams. Yeah. Uh, and just, I mean, it's strange because now you almost could not lead the league in strikeouts and ground it into double plays. Everyone who strikes out a lot does so because they're tr- constantly trying to launch the ball in the air. Uh, the only guys who, who hit into double plays are ones who hit the ball on the ground a lot and put the ball in play at at least like an average rate. You never see that combination of things anymore. Um, but back then, the base rates of the league were so different that it was possible. So good on Joe Gordon for, for winning that MVP. That was the era of, and I, I, I don't think it was a coherent effort by the writers to, to do this, but they sort of fell backward into rewarding what we'd now call complete players are guys with, with value that's harder to quantify, but definitely there. Like in 1944, Marty Marion won in the National League. Right. He was a light-hitting shortstop. Uh, Gordon wasn't a bad player, but he was not anywhere close to Williams. And it was and they, there they was did like, like a, their middle infielders too back then. You're right. Yeah. There was like a 25-year stretch in the AL especially where it was, did you either have an extremely historic like all-time season or were you the best player on the Yankees this year those were the two possible ways you could win an MVP and sometimes even if you did the first thing if the guy who was the best player on the Yankees also was pretty good with the media then he he had it locked forget about it yeah Uh, Phil Rizzuto probably didn't really need to win his MVP either but oh gosh he won one that's wow okay anyway uh I you know there has been breaking news. Oh, and what? It's, it's that the Milwaukee Brewers have signed Jacob Junis. So, oh, damn it. I, I know. <laughs> well, I don't have immediate returns on how this affects Pakoda. Obviously, it pushes the Brewers ahead of the Cubs. The question will be by how much? How many games? Uh, yeah. 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 Several. I have to go write about that, though. So, I'm going to skip the random Cub for the week. But this has been. Uh, I don't know, some episode of this is not a rebuild. <laughs> please, please, Jed, sign someone and make time matter again. We In cannot meantime, wait until the end of February. Check us out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate and review. Uh, you can read my work on the Cubs at northsidebaseball.com, where I'm going to start publishing this each time we record as well. And we'll talk to you 
next week or or sooner. Happy to do an emergency pod, Jed. Happy. Happy. Jed.